Hey, it's Dune here. I'm recording this quick message to let you know that over the next few weeks, we'll be playing some of our favorite episodes from the past year while I spend some time with my best friends and family back in my other home, London. If you missed these episodes the first time around, they are so good and packed with so much value. I know you're going to love them just as much as I did recording them. See you soon. Bye. This is Jacqueline Johnson for Female Startup Club. Yoo-hoo. It's Dune here, your host and hype girl. Welcome back to the Female Startup Club podcast. We are just days away from the launch of Magic. So if you've been hearing me talk about this, pop your name on the wait list for when we launch next week at femalestartupclub.com forward slash wait list. And if you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, scroll back a couple of weeks and find the episode on all things magic so I can introduce you properly. On the show today, we are learning from Jacqueline Johnson, who you might recognize as the founder of Create and Cultivate, but is here to talk about her latest venture, New Money Ventures, in addition to her first incubated brand through the fund, May Wines. New Money Ventures is a venture capital fund with a mission to launch, build, and scale early-stage women-led startups. And this is such an interesting episode because she steps us through how she invests in different founders, what the red flags are when founders are trying to raise VC dollars, the industries that are piping hot right now, how her fund actually works, and a few tips to get you better at pitching your business. There are so many gems packed in this episode. If you've got any plans to raise in the future, this is a must listen. If you learn something in this episode, please do share it with someone who will benefit from hearing Jacqueline's incredible advice or shout about it on social media because you know how much we love it when you do that. Let's dive right in. This is Jacqueline Johnson for Female Startup Club. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Jacqueline, hi. Welcome to the Female Startup Club podcast. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. I'm excited to learn from you today. How's your day going? Have you had any wins or oh shit moments that you're wanting to share? Get off your chest. <laughs> Today's actually been really mellow. I've had a lot of meetings and things like that, but I think everyone's a little bit in like the post-holiday slump here where they're like sort of uh, getting into the mode of like, let's talk about that after the holidays type thing. So yep. um, it's been pretty mellow. I've noticed that everyone's starting to do the whole like, can we just chat next year? Like I'm I'm done. Black Friday was massive. <laughs> Things totally. are still crazy. I need a break. <laughs> yep. I feel that. I feel like most people probably know you as Jacqueline, founder of Create Cultivate, but maybe a little less as Jacqueline, founder of New Money Ventures. So I'd like to get you to give us a little bit of an introduction of how you introduce yourself these days. Yeah, it's it's complicated, um, but it, it's actually it's actually quite fun. There's a lot going on, but yeah. So I, I am the founder of Create and Cultivate, which is a modern media company for women looking to create and cultivate the career of their dreams, and you know, built that company. And recently, uh, last year, uh, sold a majority stake to private equity, and we have a new CEO on board uh, with that business. But I'm still actively involved. And then I, in January of this year, launched New Money Ventures, which is a $20 million consumer fund focused on funding the next generation of female-led, female-run businesses. And I also recently just launched a wine line called May Wines. Um, and I, I mentor people, I coach people. I do a lot of different things these days, um, which is exactly how I like it. I love that for you. So much going on. Holy moly. I'd love to dig into new money ventures. I feel like we have a lot of entrepreneurs listening to the show who would love to understand the process, how things really work and kind of answer those nitty gritty questions that everyone's asking. How do you like to kind of like start your story in terms of where the light bulb came for new money ventures? What what made you shift to that? Yeah, absolutely. So with Create and Cultivate, obviously, I had access to conversations with millions of women across, you know, the country, um, across the globe about, you know, what was their, you know, what were wins, what was going well in their business, what were the struggles, right? And almost at every Create and Cultivate event, this statistic is thrown out of like only 2% of venture funding goes to women, right? Even less for women of color. And it's a really depressing statistic that actually has not changed much in the last five years. Um, and so that was really startling. And then I started looking into, you know, venture as a whole. I actually never raised venture capital for any of my companies. Um, so it was an interesting and kind of new world for me. And when I looked into it, what I realized was I found another stat that was even more shocking. And that was that only 5% of venture capital firms are actually run by women, meaning that the women are in the capital deployment, you know, seat, you know, where they can actually deploy the capital. Um, and that was really interesting for me because it made a lot of sense right? Because venture capital is a business built on deal flow and deal flow is where you're getting your deals from. It's based on your network, right? So if the majority of venture capitalists are older white men, their network and the people around them are going to look a lot like them. And therefore they're not going to get access to the type of deals that I would get access to, you know, for instance. And so I'd been angel investing for many years and um, absolutely loved it and found I was like mentoring a lot of the women that I had also angel invested in and advising them. And I knew in my next step, you know, after, you know, being the CEO at Create and Cultivate was I wanted to provide mentorship 
first and foremost, but also money, right? Because I know that capital is so crucial for businesses and it's so challenging for women to get. So I want to be able to kind of like make a dent in that 5% and create something where women would be able to have more access to capital, if not through me, through other people I know and the access that I might have as well. And so did you have to go out and raise that $20 million or you put that money in or you found some partners? Like, how did that actually work? And how do you do that? (laughs) So yeah, it's really interesting. So when you launch a fund, it's like you essentially have to go raise your own money, right? Get your own capital for that fund. And so um, I have a partner in the fund. We went out and were able to raise capital for the fund itself. So we raised $20 million with different LPs or limited partners um, that provided, you know, capital. So that's typically how it works. Um, I personally didn't have to put money into it, but I still oftentimes will co-invest on deals that we do through the fund. Mm, Got it. And so let's talk about like, Right now, who are you looking at? Who are you? What are the kinds of businesses you like to invest in? Where are your interests or where is the market showing you that we should be, you know, investing in those spaces? Yeah, absolutely. So some funds have very clear mandates of like the types of businesses that they can invest in. You know, some they're so specific. Some like are like we invest in plant-based meats, you know, like there's these really specific funds. We're actually much more fluid. We invest again, our biggest mandate is female-led or female-run businesses. Um, and then we look, you know, primarily in uh different categories. Our first you know, sort of phase of uh, funding was around CPG specifically, so direct-to-consumer or retail-driven businesses. So we invested in the Dough, Good For You Cookie Dough, K-Skin, Winnie Harlow Skincare Line, Crown Affair, which is an amazing hair care brand. We're pretty much category agnostic. And what we're really looking for is a few different things. Is one, first and foremost, we're founder first. Like, we want to make sure that we believe in the founder, we have a great rapport with the founder, and we also feel like we can help the founder in some way, shape, or form, you know, through our own expertise. Two is the category. We want to find categories that are disruptive or brands that are disruptive within those categories. Um, So that means like, what are you doing differently than everyone else? Like if you have a beauty brand, what makes this beauty brand different than everyone else? Um, So that's number two. And then three is really like, the model itself. How is the business performing? How are you thinking about, you know, revenue, profitability, um, your margins, all these different things sort of play into like what we're looking for when we invest in a business. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when you find those people that you do invest in, do you invest like at a certain stage or at any stage? What kind of checks do you sign for? Yeah, absolutely. So we initially were investing in pre-seed and seed stage businesses, and we did a lot of investments in those categories. Now we're really focused on series A investments. Um, So we invest, we're pretty much stage agnostic as well, but we're right now focusing on series A. And that changes over time based on the mix of investments that we have. So you have some newer, you know, like smaller companies, then you have like bigger and more well-established brands. And we want to have a good mix in our portfolio of all of those as well. So we typically in the seed pre-seed stage will invest anywhere between 250000 up to 500000 Anything in the Series A stage, 500000 to $1.5 depending obviously on the business, the round, the size, all of those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for you, like how many people do you speak to on a weekly or a monthly basis versus like how many investments do you actually make or have you forecasted to make, you know, in your first year? 
So I speak to, I want to say 50 brands a week. Um, Holy shit. That's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. I get pitched all the time. And I think that's symptomatic of a few different things. One is I typically like to be very clear if it's not a fit for us right now. So I get pitched a lot of seed stage businesses currently, but I want to take those calls because when they get to their series A and we have a good rapport or we liked each other or there was a good fit there, I want to be the first person they call when they're going out for that round, right? So you kind of are constantly having conversations with a ton of different people that you're nurturing because either you want to stay on their radar for a future raise or oftentimes we can invest in them now or I can help them because I know a fund that's actually looking for exactly what they are, right? So a lot of times, like through the process, I have a great network of female VCs and non-female VCs that I'm happy to like make introductions to if I know what they're looking for. So we, you know, everyone has their own mandates and what they're sort of seeking out, but we all want to help each other with deal flow so that we're top of mind when someone comes to them and they're like, actually, New Money Ventures would be great for you. So that's how a lot of deals get done in, in that way. Do you invest only in U.S. brands or are you global? So we are currently only investing in U.S. brands. We're hoping to do more global investments um, in the future, but currently just based on like, you know, obviously what we signed our LPs on for, they are U.S.-based brands. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I want to dig into like what it actually looks like when you're having a conversation with a founder. Like they're coming to you, they're telling you their story, they're telling you the numbers and everything about their business. What are you asking them specifically to kind of pull out to figure out whether that's something that's got magic in it for you? Yeah, absolutely. So when everyone's pitching, obviously they're giving you all the good news, right? So you have to try and figure out what the bad news is. Like, what is the bad news here? And so you, and that really requires you to kind of really dig deep into their business. So one of the questions I always like to ask when I'm getting pitched is, 
Um, what is your biggest challenge right now? And I think sometimes if I get the answer like, oh, we really aren't having any challenges. It's just amazing growth. I like am immediately like it's a no for me because the reality is if you're running a business, there are always challenges and being honest about those challenges up front, especially to a potential investor, I think is really important because one, it could be something where I could really help you with that. You know, it's a supply chain issue. It's a hiring issue. It's a whatever issue, knowing what you have and knowing if I can be a help for that, or also knowing someone that could also help you for that is, is a really good insight to have. Um, so that's number one. Number two is also making sure that you're diving into the nitty gritty of the numbers, right? So a good example is I was getting pitched this brand and they we're talking about how, you know, they're year three of their business and they are doing 30 million in revenue, 30 million in revenue year three. And I'm like, this is incredible. Like, this is so amazing. This is unheard of. And then when I went into their deeper spreadsheet of the data, I realized that they were spending 50 million in marketing. So that immediately is a red flag, you know, as an investor to say like, well, no wonder you're doing 30 million in rev. You're spending 50 million in marketing to get to that 30 million in rev. A lot of these, you know, customers are one and done. They're not repeat customers, which is something that you want to see, you know, repeat customers are way more valuable than one and done. And so it's about like, kind of like looking at the numbers and figuring out the story that they're telling to make sure that you're aligned and on the same page with that founder. Wow. And so for that particular example, like, were you like, oh, it's an immediate no, or were you like, I'm still interested, but we'd need to change the model to figure out how you can grow to be more profitable? Yes. So we, uh, we went back and forth with that particular company for a while. And I really liked, they checked a lot of boxes in terms of like, they were extremely disruptive category, which I really liked. They had a good path to acquisition because they were really one of the few in their category, but the founders were very young and not experienced. And I felt that the way that they viewed venture and spending money that they were going to have, they were going to raise and raise and raise and raise and raise until like they couldn't raise anymore. And that was their mentality, right? It was like growth at all costs, right? And that is a strategy you can take, but it's not a strategy that I'm going to be able to give you good support on because I am a real believer in running a very lean, profitable business and only raising when you need that cash for specific, you know, items, whether it's inventory or team or whatever. So I felt like I wouldn't be a good fit as an investor for that specific company, whereas other VCs might be. So we ended up passing on that specific one. What are some of the other red flags that you see? Obviously, like the numbers, that's a that's a clear one. What else are the things that come up that are often common issues or problems for founders? I think one of the things that's, I think it's really important to have a competitive matrix in your deck of some, you know, kind, especially if you're in a really crowded industry. I think founders that don't bring up specific competition and their edge over that competition is a red flag to me because as an investor, I'm already going to do the diligence on your business in the category, right? So I'm going to know who's, who's playing in the category, who's doing really well, who's not doing whatever. So if you just kind of brush over that in general, that's a red flag to me versus diving straight away in and saying like, hey, actually, here's a full on comparison. Yes, they're getting way more press than us, but our margins are way better than theirs or like we're getting this or we have this, that, the other. We have an edge because, you know, they launched six years ahead of us. And so we're able to, you know, take the learnings from them, whatever it is, like creating, you know, that story and that narrative, because I think that's really important is to be able to talk about the competitive landscape as well. 
Ooh, that's a good one. I like that. And I like the whole, they launched ahead of us. So therefore we can take the blueprint of what they've done. We can figure out how yeah. to do it better, faster, you know, more innovative. I love that. That's so interesting. What are the like tips for pitching? Like what's a good pitch for a founder who's listening right now? Who's like, Oh, I don't know where to start. I don't know like how to get my best message across. What are your best tips? Yeah. So in your pitch deck, obviously you have to have some sort of presentation that goes along with it. I would say the number one thing to kind of get across is why this business needs to exist in the world, why you're the right person to run it, and what is unique or differentiated about the company that you want to build. That, that so Those are the three things you want to get across. Obviously, depending on what state you're at, you have to share financials and this, that, the other. But what you really want to do is Get people excited about the vision of your business and why you are the best possible person to bring this vision to life. And I think it's that's really comes down to storytelling and also understanding market opportunity and really showcasing why this is um, a product, a business, a service that is missing in the world and how you plan to grow it at scale. Because venture at the end of the day, like doesn't really invest in small businesses, right? They invest in companies where they can see exponential, large scale growth or an exit opportunity. So when you're talking to venture versus angels or other types of, you know, investing vehicles, you want to be talking about the biggest possible picture of where this could go. Something I often hear, like when I'm talking to small business owners and founders is, you know, they're in the beauty space, for example, or whatever industry that they're in that's crowded and they're saturated. And they're like, I'm, I can't like tell you in a summary why I'm different. I just know that I have this thing. I've got that magic, but they can't necessarily pinpoint yet what it is because it is a saturated space. How do people like dig in to find their unique selling point? I feel like people often think it has to be some like world first, innovative, never seen before, but that's not the case, obviously. How do people kind of dig deeper to find their unique edge? Yeah. I mean, the differentiators could be a few different things. Like one on like the larger scale, it could be a specific innovative product, something that's patented, something that's unique to your formula. Um, you know, something that you're kind of creating in an interesting way. A good example of this is actually K skin. So that's Winnie Harlow's skincare line. So Winnie Harlow is famous because she has vitiligo disease where she is obviously has both dark and light skin tones, which is a very unique Thing. But what happened was she had a unique experience where she was putting on, getting put, you know, white sunscreen on her and it was really giving this like gross kind of white, you know, residue. Um, it didn't make her skin look good. It like was just really bad. So she was like, why isn't there a sun care line that is also built with skincare in mind and show like enhances the look of your skin versus just like trying to protect it from the sun. And so she developed K-Skin over years to create this specific formula that is like this, if you've ever tried it but it's like golden brown like when it comes out but it looks great on my skin tone her skin tone anyone's skin tone so it's like really for everyone right so that's like a unique interesting value and it makes Winnie a unique person to launch the product so there's like a lot of unique factors that go into that another thing could be it's not unique at all but it's the same exact product as this product product a but it's $5 cheaper and they're going to be on the shelf together. And like, that's what differentiates us is like, 
we can get on the shelves and we can be cheaper and better or whatever. Um, brand can play a huge role in that. You know, what's the brand ethos? What's the look and feel? Like, how does that sort of enhance what you're doing? You know, obviously we've seen a massive push into sustainability um, and, you know, refillable beauty, things like that. There's so many things that you can create and have an edge in the market. And it doesn't have to be some groundbreaking scientific formula, right? It can just be as simple as like a price situation, a brand situation, and a unique story and point of view. I love that. And I think that's such important, like such an important message to share for people listening who have that problem of being like, well, I didn't invent something that's never been done before. Like I'm out here just building this thing that I know is amazing, but it is that price difference or it is that brand piece difference. And I think, yeah, that's amazing to share. Thank you so much. Gosh, when you're like looking at, you know, the next kind of 12 months, what else do you want to expand into? Where are you going now? What are you looking for? Who do you want to be knocking on your door? Yeah. So currently we're really focused on creator economy specific uh, businesses. So for like good examples of this are like a Patreon, a Cameo, intro, anything that is a platform where creators can monetize their business, right? We've seen a ton of these crop up in the last year. Um, and a lot of them are not female led. So we're looking for female led creator economy specific businesses, as well as femtech businesses. Um, so things focused on female healthcare, technology apps, etc. Um, so we're looking in those two categories specifically for right now. Amazing. So anyone listening in those spaces, come knocking on your door. <laughs> yes, please do. Let's talk a little bit about May Wines. Why did you decide to go into that? What was the research that led you to the wine industry and what makes it different? Totally. So my partner and I are huge wine enthusiasts. We're both like level two psalms. Like we're really into wine in general. And we knew we wanted to invest in the wine category. Like immediately we're like, we can't wait. We're so excited. And we met with so many incredible female led uh, wine businesses. And what we found was one, either they were too far along in their stage, you know, they were series B, series C, they were raising a ton of money. Um, and like, we wouldn't really make a dent in what they were doing. And two was majority of what we saw was canned wine being launched. And we just didn't love the experience of canned wine. And we thought there has to be an elevated single serve, uh, you know, sort of glass bottle situation or something really cool and unique. And we started doing our research on it and like literally could not find anything. And we're like, this is so fascinating because one of the issues that we had always kind of voiced between the two of us was one post pandemic where, I mean, during the pandemic, I was drinking a ton of wine. Sometimes I, you know, would Guilty. just waste. Yeah. All of us. I joined a ton of wine clubs and basically I'd get these really nice bottles of wine. I'd open it up. I'd have a glass, put it back in my fridge, forget about it. And then end up like pouring it out or cooking with it. And it was like a really nice bottle. And secondly, I'm a white drinker. My partner's a red drinker. If she came over, it would be wasting two bottles. And so we kind of were like, this is a real problem to solve. Single serve is obviously the, the best solution, but we don't love the canned experience. And so May Wines was kind of born out of that. We researched and found this amazing bottler that does these like beautiful mini glass bottles. We have a female winemaker. Everything's California made. We did a ton of research into like what are the most popular varietals amongst millennials. And so May Wines was really born and it's part of our atelier, which is part of our fund, which means we invest and build our own brands through that. So that's how we sort of launched May as part of the fund. I love that. And for you with marketing, like what's shifting the needle in these early stages? And I know you're someone who you already said you love to grow brands before kind of 
dumping a lot of money into advertising and things like that. So I imagine you have quite a scrappy grassroots approach to launching. What's working for you? Yeah, it's so fascinating. I hate paid marketing so much. I just think it's so odd. Um, And it's like, it's just so cost ineffective, essentially, in a lot of ways. So for us, we've been noticing a few different things. One is influencers are performing extremely well for us. And once we work with influencers in paid and unpaid capacities, we leverage their content through whitelisting and boosting and use their content as ads versus creating our own ads, which has worked extremely well. Obviously, TikTok is a great platform. Unfortunately, you cannot advertise alcohol on TikTok. Oh, yet. I didn't know that. I did not know this either. This is a fun fact. But yes, <laughs> not doing yet, even though Shit. they just they just launched age verification. So I think we'll start to see that feature roll out. But we can promote it through uh, influencers on TikTok. You just cannot put ads through it. So we've been doing a ton in the TikTok space, which has been really fun. Obviously, podcasts have performed extremely well for us, and we love doing podcasts. Um, and seeding, just like seeding the product to friends and family, obviously, that we've like created over the years. But I would say like the best converter for us, and as is usual with food and bev, is sampling to consumers. So we've been popping up at different events. Obviously, we were at Crate and Cultivate in the fall. Um, we've done a ton of dinners. We were kind of we just did a pop-up with Lisa Says Ga in Echo Park. And getting the product in the hands of the consumers, people love the wine, but they also love the bottle. They get excited and then obviously hopefully they convert on our site as well. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. And being like a brand that you've obviously incubated under New Money Ventures, are you going to continue to do that like at scale or is there kind of like, we're going to do them here here and when we see there is the opportunity? Yeah. So really see and where there is the opportunity and we will be raising more capital against these from outside um, investors as well as we grow and build the different companies. Obviously, like we won't be running them, but we'll put in the right people to like run those businesses as well. But the end goal is to really create a large scale direct to consumer holding business in certain categories that we like, similar to like a Food 52 or a pattern brands or something of of that nature. Mm, that's amazing. How exciting. Gosh. Yeah. We recently had Daniela Pearson on the show talking about mental health and mental fitness. And so that's something really front and center for me right now. Looking at someone like you, you're so busy. You've got all this going on. You're balancing work, family, multiple businesses. How do you take care of your mental health and your soul? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, first and foremost, I'm on the board of a nonprofit called Half the Story, which um, I really love. Basically, it's a nonprofit focused on um, studying the relationship and effects of social media, specifically on the youth um, and how it can really affect, you know, their self-esteem, the way they interact, socializing, et cetera, all that stuff. So I'm very passionate about that because um, it really is half the story. That is social media. You're getting the highlight reel of everyone's lives. Um, And I've definitely, you know, suffered from that as well as comparing myself to other people, not thinking I'm doing enough, all those things. But I think it really comes down to being in touch with your own barometer for stress and knowing when to stop and take breaks and be able to really let go of, um, you know, kind of that intense pressure to be successful all the time. And that's something I've gotten better at, better at with age, obviously. Um, but I just think it's really important to have, you know, really be in touch with that internal clock and know when you're like, okay, time's up for me. I need to like take a B. I need to take a mental health day. I need to go on vacation, like whatever it is versus trying to keep pushing through because that's when you burn out. Absolutely. Have you experienced burnout? 
Oh my God. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, when I was running Crate and Cultivate, I tell everyone this, like I had no work-life balance. I was like all work all the time and I was loving it, honestly, for a lot of it. It's not like I regret any of it, but I don't think I realized the level I was burning at and running at until I got, you know, kind of really until COVID um, and really was like forced to like stay still for a little bit, um, which was a good reflection for me and a good way to kind of say, okay, um, this is interesting. Like it's, I don't want to go back to what it was, you know, and I want to be more mindful of like the things that um, make me feel good outside of work. Absolutely. Take that breath. Definitely. Before we jump into the six quick questions part of the episode, which we wrap up with, what does the future look like? What do you want people to know right now? What do you want to shout about? Yeah, no, I'm really loving, um, obviously, the venture side of things. So for me, I think like, you know, continuously, continually building the legacy around supporting uh, female entrepreneurs with both money, mentorship, and, you know, anything I can do to really help women has been something that I'm really fundamentally um, behind and excited about. So that's something I'm really excited about. Also, I'm on Intro, which is a really fun app where you can book me for little 15-minute sessions. It's been like the highlight of my year, I've met so many cool people. Um, and a percentage of those proceeds goes to half the stories, which is always fun as well. Oh my God. That's so cool. I love that. I haven't heard of that. I'm going to check that out immediately. Very cool. And what's your best piece of advice for founders right now? I would say the best piece of advice I have for founders right now is stay the course. I think right now it's a very weird time. We're in a recession. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's iOS updates. Um, and I think people who stay the course and really keep pushing, um, will come out on top, you know, even during these difficult times, I think sometimes it's really hard. Like obviously running a business in 2020 was extremely hard. All these things can be really hard, but the people who kept going, I think, you know, ended up on top. Mm, It's the long game. Play the long game. (laughs) Yes. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, 
and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. <laughs> <laughs>